All right, y'all. Good morning once again, everybody. Uh, we're going to continue in our study of our spiritual disciplines this morning, uh, talking about something that I think uh, we talk about on a regular basis, simply because as most of what the scripture tells us about being a Christian has to do with these two aspects of the Christian life, and they're so important that without them, it's kind of impossible to be a Christian, all right? So kind of keep that in mind, because uh, like we, I mentioned before, all of the disciplines that we're talking about, they kind of go hand in hand, and they work together. It's, it's who we are and what we become, and we continue to grow in strength in those things. If you were here for Sunday school, you uh, might get a little bit of review or add to from our Sunday school lesson, because a lot of the same things that we talked about. Uh, James chapter 4, Matthew chapter 10, and Matthew chapter 20 this morning that we're going to refer to if you want to mark your Bibles. I was reading uh, up some, reading up on some things uh, last week, and I come across this, this here uh, little account of history. I don't even know where it came from. Nobody really, kind of, uh, people refer to this uh, little story all the time, and it's so much so that nobody really knows how it came to be known about, but it's uh, about Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. And uh, a lot of times, as many of the, of the people in the Civil War did, they would uh, pray a lot, as you would imagine, right? And uh, the thing that always struck me about the Civil War is both sides of the problem were praying to the same God, right? So you kind of wonder what in, the world, what in the world was going on, right? Well, here's Abraham Lincoln, and he was meeting with a group of ministers for prayer. It was a prayer breakfast. And uh, Abraham Lincoln really wasn't a churchgoer, but he was kind of like, he, kinda, he was a faithful man, and he knew his scripture, and he knew God. It was kind of a little bit of a different kind of religion for him, or a different kind of faith for him, according to the history books. But at one point, one of the ministers said, uh, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. And I think that makes sense, right? But uh, the president's response was that is, no, let's pray that we're on God's side. Yeah? And maybe you've heard that before. Maybe uh, it's something that is pretty familiar to most people. But in that moment, he reminded uh, those ministers and the, all of us that our faith or our religion is not a tool to be used to manipulate God to get the things that we want. Would you agree with that? So let's think about that as we move forward in our study this morning. In uh, James chapter 4, in verse 7 through 10, we're going to talk about submission, the, the discipline of submitting. Submission, it's the word that nobody likes to say or hear or apply to themselves because we're people and we don't like to be told what to do. Dramatic pause, y'all. <laughs> the reason I know that's true is because now when we, uh, uh, people ask us to perform a marriage ceremony for them, the ladies are starting to omit the submit word. <laughs> and we have to have counseling before we go on from that. <laughs> 
Here's what it says right here in James. And James, by the way, if you want to learn something about who you are in Christ and what God expects of us in Christ, do a deep and thorough study of the book of James and then go back and do it again. And then continue to do it, right? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why did I type that wrong? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Thank you for that word. I was thinking about chili when I typed all this up. I saw that's what it was. Here we are. James, I love James because I'm the type of person that when I'm learning something, I don't need, I, I, it, it's not helpful to me personally for someone to beat around the bush to give me the lesson. I need it in big gigantic letters and I need it blunt. Even if it hurts me, that's the way I need it, Right? And, it, and some people need it to be gently given to them and beat around the bush and, so that they can learn. But I'm not that way. And James is the guy that he just delivers it, right? And it's there for you to deal with. So he starts off with this statement. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. That tells me that if I'm not submitting to God, it's because I'm not resisting the devil. Because Satan wants you to do everything that God doesn't want you to do. Make sense? Everybody in this room is submitting to something, by the way, whether you want to admit it or not. You're submitting to something or someone or both, right? Think about it. He will flee from you. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's why when somebody says to me, the devil made me do it, I say probably not. We give too much credit to the devil. We want what we want and we go get what we want. And the question is, are we submitting to our Lord and our King, or are we submitting to ourselves and what we want? Now we're getting all up in our Sunday school lesson, aren't we? Right? It's hard. It's hard to even preach a sermon like this because everybody's guilty, including the preacher. Right? And then he goes on to this. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Seems easy and simple, doesn't it? That's because God wants to be near you and wants you to be near him. He so much wants that that he let Jesus die on the cross so that it could happen. He let Jesus be beat up, spit at, cursed at, walked on, kicked, hung on the cross, not just tied up there, but nailed up there. And then slowly bleed out until he was dead. So that he can be near you. And you can be near him. That's the reality of our king and our Lord. That's the reality of what we're battling with in our minds and in our hearts every day. When we have choices to make. When it comes to either submitting to God, the king, the Lord of our lives. The creator God, the holy one. The one who we said yes to when we received Christ as our savior. For those of us who are saved. But yet when we sin... We're going back on the deal, aren't we? We're not submitting. It's hard submitting. Matthew chapter 10, I refer to this in Sunday school, verse 39 says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Sometimes people don't realize they've lost their life already. 
You know what it means to not be saved? It means you're a dead person walking. You're already dead in your sin. And should you stay that way before you leave this world, you'll stay dead in your sin for eternity. It's the gospel. It's cut and clear right there. And anybody who's not saved, who, say, who, who has not submitted to the fact that Jesus is the only sacrifice that repairs the sin that you have committed against a holy God, if you don't accept that as truth, and you don't submit to a holy God as your God, then you can't be close to him. As bad as he wants you to be close to him, it cannot happen. Because in our sin, we're stained by wickedness. And wickedness and holiness cannot be together and will not be together. It's real, isn't it? It's serious. Serious business. The Christian life. It's not just, I'm going to say that I believe that Jesus is the Christ and then wait for my free bus ride to heaven. It's more than just words. It's what you do because of your belief or non, not belief or your unbelief. It's, what, it's how you react to God being who he is and Jesus being who he is and the gift being what it is. Submission. That's how you get saved. You submit to the mighty one, the only one that can save you from yourself. You see? So why wouldn't we love the word submit? Why wouldn't it be one of our favorite things in the scripture to read about? Oh, I get to submit to the king today. Again, I get to submit to him. I get to do his will. I get to live for his kingdom. I get to be his child. I get to submit. But yet we're like little spoiled brats that want our cake and ice cream with no responsibilities. Yeah? But I don't want to do that. Well, don't you want to be saved? Well, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Don't you want God to be your God? Yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to stop doing this, and I don't want to start doing that. And then we get all bold about it, and we say, and you can't make me do it. And it's true. No one can make you submit to anybody. It's your choice. Whoever, whoever finds his life will lose it. Meaning, whoever finds Christ, because that's where life is, will lose the life that you've built, the kingdom that you've built for yourself. See, whenever a king uh, invades the world and goes on a crusade and other kingdoms come in their path, they have a choice. You either fight us or we make peace. And you surrender and you submit to me as your Lord. And that means I get your kingdom and you, don't, and you get to live. That's how it works when kingdoms rule in the world. And here's God. He says, my kingdom is the greatest thing in existence. And it cannot be destroyed. And you can continue to build your kingdom if you want to. And I will still love you. And I will still try to get you to understand that it would be better for you to submit to my kingdom. But in the end, when Jesus comes back, your kingdom will not survive the fire. It's an offer you can't refuse. 
Or maybe it's an offer you shouldn't refuse. You see how serious it is? It's not something you can just come to church and hear the gospel and say, let me think about that for 20 years or so. Let me, let me, let me get some things done and then maybe I'll, be, I'll, I'll submit to God. Or, or, or maybe next week it'll be a better opportunity because for whatever reason. Those of us who are saved and know what we're saved from just can't fathom why people don't submit themselves to Christ. Because we know what we've been saved from. And the moment you let go of your kingdom and say yes to Jesus and say yes to God and, and, and accept everything that comes with it, it's the moment that the rest of this verse becomes true in your life. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever surrenders the life that they built, the kingdom that they built, will find life in the kingdom of God, an eternal life, a better life, the best life. Isn't it great? Because when you're in that kingdom and when you submit to the king as a, as a subject of the king should, a servant of the king should, then you become heir to the throne. And you become invincible on a spiritual level. It means no matter what happens in this world, good or bad, tragic or sad, happy or glad, you will not be destroyed because you will be forever with the kingdom of God. That was, that was like a little mumble of an amen right there, y'all. Aren't y'all excited about being saved? Aren't y'all excited that you get to submit to the greatest king in the world and he's not, so, he's not some wicked king and some king that pounces down on his subjects and, and makes them suffer? Isn't that awesome? Even though that's what we deserve, right? Because we're sinners and we choose our own kingdom. Here's some other words for submission. To surrender. To wave the white flag. I will not fight you, God. You are my Lord, and it's your way. To, to, to humble or humility, to humble yourself. That's what, surrendering or submitting is to humble yourself. I, I, a husband has to submit to his wife, and a wife has to submit to her husband. That's how marriage works. And, and if once one side breaks down, there's problems. Now, I'm not going to admit it, but I, she, I'm a servant. I'm not going to let in a don't tell her though. <laughs> I'm to serve her. And she's to serve me. And we're together to serve our Lord. And then we come to a church congregation wherever God leads us. And here we are. And we're all together to serve our Lord. As subjects submitting to his will. That's what makes a church successful in their witness for God. You give up. You give in. You give up. You know how tiring it is to try to get your way with God? Oh my gosh, there's so much stress in trying to get your way with God when you just give in to His way. And you can just go on about your day, praising Him. Turn it all over to God. So many times we stress over the anxieties of life. And, we can, and we're trying to figure out how to solve the problems of life when we just turn it over to God. Yeah, but God's not fixing it. Okay, so maybe he doesn't need to fix it right now. Maybe there's nothing to fix. Make sense? We have to get on his way of doing things. Here's what the opposite of submit is. Rebelliousness. Submission and, and rebelliousness are opposite, polar opposite. They bounce off each other. 
And rebelliousness is sin, right? We understand that. So submission is simply just what? A reaction to what? Authority. Oh, see, now we got to the problem. Nobody likes authority because nobody likes to be told what to do. Isn't that what uh, Adam and Eve were confronted with in the garden? Don't, don't eat that fruit. Well, he's only telling you that because he knows that you'll know what he knows. He's only, he's, he, surely he didn't really say don't eat it. You know, he probably meant something else. Don't let him tell you what to do. So they did what they wanted to do. And we're all mad because Adam and Eve couldn't get along with God. And then we have to realize that we don't get along with him either. Because we can't be told what to do. Oh, by the way, this book right here, this Bible, it tells us what to do and what not to do. You realize that's why a lot of people won't read it. They won't admit it, but that's why they won't read it. Because they might find out something that they can't do or should do. And it doesn't, it doesn't help build their kingdom, so that, why read it? There are people in the world that feel like if I don't read it, then I don't have to worry about what it says. I want to read it because I want to know what it means to be in God's kingdom. I want to know that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. And I hope that's true for you as well. The Christian has made a commitment to be under God's authority. When you stand up and say, God, I believe that you're God and I believe that Jesus is the Christ and he died for my sins and the sins of all men and I'm going to surrender to that, you're saying to God, it's your way, you're the boss. And I don't have a say in that. So let me be obedient, starting with baptism, starting with Bible study, right? Starting with repentance, those things. You can't come up, you can't come in front of people and say, I believe that Jesus is Christ and I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to quit this sin in my life. You're trying to have, you're trying to live in God's kingdom and still be the king of your kingdom. Brace yourself. Your happiness is not dependent upon what you want. Hello? We're all, we're constantly chasing after the things that we want in life. And it's not always sinful. But we have to evaluate is our desires and our wants in line with God's will. Because we'll suffer if we don't. So here it is. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will find it for my sake. Here it is. Submission is all about trusting God, and surrender is all about uh, trusting in his authority. There's a lot of people that believe that God is God, but they don't trust his authority. I know what the Bible says, but I don't know if it's going to work out. That's a yabbit, by the way. I told you all what a yabbit is, right? Anybody know? That means you're saying to God, yeah, I agree with you, and I believe that you're God, but... That's not what I want, and that's not what's going to work, and I don't really believe you. The second thing today is service. The second discipline, these go hand in hand. Okay? Here we are, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. We're, going to, we're, we're not leaving submission, so don't, don't wipe the sweat off your brow just yet. Okay? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your, serv- your servant, and, and whoever wants to be first, among, uh, be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, what? But to reveal, and to, to reveal and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to do what? Primary reason that Jesus came was to die on the cross. Take the punishment for the sins that you and I have committed 
That's uh, Romans chapter 6. The very, the, probably the last verse or two in Romans chapter 6. The penalty for sin is death. Spiritual death. Right? There had to be blood spilled because we disobey God. Because we don't submit to God. That's God's law. And guess what? He's God, so he gets to make that rule. Well, I don't agree with that rule. Well, then you don't submit to God, and you're, you're a dead man walking. You don't have to believe anything that God wants you to know. You don't have to submit to anything that God has laid out in his plan of salvation. I wish that you would, because I care about you and I love you. And if you don't, I'm going to love you anyway, the best I can. Especially because when you leave this world and you, and you haven't changed, that'll be the last time I see you. You understand what I mean? And I hope that you would love me the same. Right? You can't demand that somebody get saved and you can't trick somebody into getting saved. All you can do is love them. The way Jesus loves us. Think about it. Jesus came into the world and loved people like nobody ever knew how to do and still don't. Jesus walked among people and healed them of their sicknesses and, and proclaimed many truths that we can still learn from today and then put him, allowed himself to be on the cross and die the way that he did. And from that moment on, to even to now, people see that and say, yeah, no thanks, don't need it. If Jesus can't make people get saved, you certainly can't. But it didn't stop him from loving people, did it? It doesn't stop him from still loving people. There's two kinds of service. If you're, if you, if you're a child of God and you submit to the King, our Lord, if you have submitted to him genuinely in your heart, then you are a servant of the kingdom of God. Which means you're a servant to God and you're a servant to the people of God. And it goes even further than that. You're a servant to God. You're a servant to the people of God, namely the Christians. And you're a servant to the world. Because every person is created by God and is loved by God equally, whether they're saved or not. So that makes you a servant of everybody. Right? <laughs> people have a hard time with this. I have a hard time with this sometimes. You mean I, you mean, you mean I have to submit and serve? I don't like that truth, but it's there. I would like to stand up here and say, I get this down pat every day of my life. But I don't. Because it's hard. This is why we need Jesus. And this is why his spirit is given to us. To be our guide and our help. Their self-righteous service means that in our own efforts, we try to serve. We, we do things and we work hard to serve other people. And that's great because it helps other people and it loves other people. But the end result is so that you can be a good, you're making yourself a good servant. And your motive is for self. So you found yourself building your own kingdom again. Because you're saying, I'm, I'm going to serve this person because it's the right thing to do and it makes me a great servant. And then there's true service, which is a product of a deep relationship with a holy God. And it dismisses every desire in your heart 
and you just react to the needs of the people around you. And you don't even think about what it means to you. You don't think about if it lifts you up to a higher position in the minds of, in the eyes of other people around you. you. And you certainly don't think about, is it going to put me in a bad situation in this society by serving this person? Oh, look at him. He's, he's helping the homeless. I wouldn't do that. You're going to bring that person to church? You see, you see, you see what we're worried about what society thinks it's, it's building self kingdom when we just pay attention to the spirit of god and we do and serve the lord by serving others then it doesn't matter and that's how come there's christians around the world being persecuted because they don't think about self and they just serve god and serve others and the the consequences just come we're doing our study in acts uh, uh, well all the acts chapter we're in chapter 13 or 14 or something by now but in the beginning of acts on wednesday night you should come if you're not coming because it's awesome Because there's awesome things to learn in the book of Acts about our God and about ourselves. But they're constantly told, stop preaching in Jesus' name. Stop talking about Jesus because we can't handle it. And it's not even a thought in their mind. I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm going to take this time right now to tell you about Jesus. That's serving God. Find a way to show God to somebody. Because the best service you can do to another person is present God to them in some way. Sometimes it's just a matter of shaking their hand and saying, God bless you. Hugging them when they need a hug. Praying for them if they need prayer. Giving them a sandwich if they're hungry. Sometimes you just sit there and don't say anything because there's nothing that can be said, but your presence is enough. That's service. Not for self so that God can be seen. You see, if you're really submitting to who we are in Christ, service becomes a reality in your life. And it's not service to promote self, it's service so that God and his kingdom will be known to the world. The hard part is, is we sit back sometimes and we're like, nobody's getting saved, nobody's hearing the message, they're all rejecting the message, people get mad at me. Because I love God and I'm telling them about Christ. or I'm, you know, They get upset because I have peace and they don't. And they don't understand it. I remember Jesus teaching that we will suffer because he is Jesus. They're going to hate you because they hate me. Buckle up your seatbelt because it's not easy to love people. It's the cost of loving people is pain. If you, don't, if you don't realize that, then go back and read the gospel account of Jesus dying on the cross. Why does it hurt so bad? I don't want to get my feelings hurt. Well, that's what cost, the cost of loving people is sometimes. People are going to hurt your feelings. Because you, when you extend love and it doesn't get received or it gets rejected or if it doesn't come back, then we have our feelings hurt and then we have a need. If we could ever get to the point where we could love people without any return of anything then we've come to the place where these things become real in our life. I'm going to love people no matter what happens in return. So self-righteous service, this is for the health of our congregation, okay? Self-righteous service fractures community. And a church congregation is simply that. It's community. It's a community of people who love God and are saved by the blood of Christ and we're coming together to see what God would have us do for him. That's what church is. 
And when there's self-righteous service involved in anybody's heart, it becomes a problem within the community. And that's how churches start fighting one another in the congregations. That's how people don't get along. That's how leadership meetings become horrible to go to because people can't talk about things without hurting each other's feelings and getting mad. That doesn't honor God, does it? And it's not the purpose of what God brought us together for. And we need to pray for those churches that are experiencing those things because they're hurting. Right? But true service builds community. If we practice true service at home, it'll be a habit in the church. If we genuinely surrender ourselves and submit to God and His ways, then it's never about me. It's always about everybody else. And that's why I say, if you go about the Lord's business, He will always be about your business. But if you go about your business, you're on your own. And it's not what God wants, but that's what happens. So Ephesians chapter 5 tells us this as we finish up here. Verse 20, 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for, for, for Christ. Take a, take a quick gander around the room. Look around. See the people that are sitting in here? Those are the people you're supposed to serve. Right? Think about the people that live in your home. Those are the people you're supposed to serve. That's where you start. We're here to serve one another. And if we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that means when I see you, I see a child of God. And I should treat you as a child of God. Even if I don't agree with you, especially if I'm upset with you or if you have hurt my feelings, I still have to remember that you belong to God and I have no right to disrespect you or anything of the sort because you belong to God. Because if I'm going to do any of those negative things toward you, I might as well just go to God and do it to Him. Make sense to y'all? It's kind of deep, isn't it? I'll let that sink in until the chili comes out tonight. It goes even deeper. It goes even deeper than that. You have no right to treat yourself poorly because you belong to God. You have no right to, un, to not forgive yourself of the things that you have failed at because you belong to God. And if God can forgive you and extend grace to you, then who on earth are you to not do so to yourself? Make sense? It all starts here, getting self in line so that you can t help and teach others how to do so. Isn't that great? Isn't it, isn't it simple? All we have to do is love each other. And the cool thing is we get to sit around a table and eat a bunch of chili and love each other. God, it's, it, it, why do we get it wrong so much? All right, here it is, closing up with this. These are acts of submission and service. First, uh, we submit and we serve the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand the differences and why there's three, but they're all the same. We can't completely understand the, tri uh, the, uh, the, 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 the triune of God, but we know that God is our Father, He's the Creator, and He's holy. We know that the Son is our Savior, and He died on the cross so that we can be with the Father. And we know that the Spirit of God is here to be our Lord and Savior, to lead us and guide us. That's all we really need to know in order to start following Him, right? So we submit to all of that, and we serve in that regard. And then we submit and we serve the Scripture. 
You can't submit to the scripture if you don't study the scripture. Open up your Bible, read it, ask God what it means, and then do what it says. Because James tells us faith without action is what? And if, and if your faith is dead, you can't be saved. It's that serious. You can't just say, well, I don't agree with that part of Scripture. It all says that Jesus is the Christ, and if you believe that, you're saved. All right. Submission and service to our family. Look at your family and say, don't say you've got to serve me because then you'd be wrong. You've got to say, I get to serve you. That's the way the Lord wants it. And then we, then we <laughs> submit and we serve our neighbors, the people in our lives around us, the people we work with, the people that live next to us, all these people back here. All these people over there, all the people that are moving in. We've got to find ways to love them and serve them. We're here. We are their church, whether they know it or not. This is their church home. And they need to know it so they can come and be with us. And then we submit and serve the body of Christ. Anybody who's a believer, we're their servant. And then here, the final one, and we'll finish and pray. We submit and serve the broken and despised. That's the hard one, isn't it? Talked about that in Sunday school. It's easy to serve the ones you know, the ones that look like you and talk like you and do the same things you do. It's hard to serve somebody that you've never met and they don't dress like you, they don't talk like you, they don't make the same decisions you do. They don't think like you. They didn't even, they don't even have the same views that you do about anything in this world. We've got to get to the point where God can help us look at other people in the eye and we can see what God sees so we can love what God loves. Right? And if we can't look in the mirror and see what God sees, that's where we need to start. Y'all good with that? Good. We're going to pray and we're going to sing a song together. We're going to praise God together. And if you're a person who is lost in your sin or you, you are not saved or you haven't made a commitment to God and you, and you just now realize that I have to make this commitment, then let's do it. Let's do it right now. Because I made a bunch of chili that I plan on sharing with y'all tonight, but Jesus might come back first. And it was all for nothing, wasn't it? And I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. But I would hate for anybody in this room to not be with the Lord because they did not submit to him right now. I love you and the Lord loves you and we're going to sing together. And that means just repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what it says in Acts chapter 2. So let's do that. If you don't understand that, let's talk about it. We'll do it. You going to sing?